0: Good morning and welcome to St. Thomas Online. Our virtual service today can be followed along on our bulletin that you can find on our website or if you're in our, me- our mailing list, it's already been emailed to you with this link. Today is the fifth Sunday of Easter, May 10th, 2020. We will say together evening prayer, right to Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Dear friends in Christ, here in the presence of Almighty God, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins so that we may obtain forgiveness by His infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to join us. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia.
1: O gracious light, pure brightness of the evening, Father in heaven, O Jesus Christ, holy and blessed. Now as we come to the setting of the sun and our eyes behold the vesper light, we sing your praises, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are worthy at all times to be praised by happy voices. O Son of God, O giver of life, and to be glorified through all the worlds. Psalm 31 verses 1-5 through and 15-16 In you, O Lord, have I taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Incline your ear to me. Make haste to deliver me. Be my strong rock, a castle to keep me safe, for you are my crag and my stronghold. For the sake of your name, lead me and guide me. Take me out of the net that they have secretly set for me, for you are my tower of strength. Into your hands I commend my spirit, for you have redeemed me, O Lord, O God of truth. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face to shine upon your servant and in your loving kindness, save me. A reading from Acts Filled with the Holy Spirit, Stephen gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears and with a loud shout all rushed together against him. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Canticle 15 as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from 1 Peter. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, for it stands in Scripture. See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then who believe, he is precious." But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builder rejected has become the very heart of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word, and they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous sight, light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Canticle 17, the song of Simeon. Lord,
3: A reading from the Gospel according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and still you do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask for anything, I will do it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
0: For several years, Ben Polk, my good friend, fellow St. Thomas parishioner and I, have gone on runs on Fridays. Every Friday morning, we meet together and kind of go for a nice long run. One week, Ben and I were running through Homewood, and out of nowhere, he fell. He tripped and fell. We were passing All Saints Episcopal Church in Homewood, and, and maybe that's on us for having passed another Episcopal Church. Maybe it was like blasphemy, I don't know. But for whatever reason, he, he fell down and slid on the ground and scraped his knees. And it was really terrible, and it was, um, it looked really painful. You know, so like a compassionate, caring friend. You know, I laughed at him, I made fun of him, I gave him all kinds of grief about it. So the next week we met together again, and I kept giving him grief and kept teasing him, you know, about how, how uh, uncoordinated he was. And uh, in the back of our minds, though, even though we were laughing and joking, we were kind of weary about falling. As we were coming near that same spot a week later, as we were coming near that same spot, there was a group of runners. Back in the old days, when people got together, there used to be groups of runners that would run in these like pods through town in the morning. And there was this group of like 10 or 12 people and they were running, but painfully slowly kind of run walking. And they were taking up this whole sidewalk. So Ben and I jumped out into the street and we were passing them. And right at that moment, as we were passing, uh, Oh man he he stepped off the curb, he kind of accidentally slipped off the curb and stumbled, and you know shocked both of us because we thought he was going to have this big crash and burn, but he didn't. He recovered. He caught himself and we were able to keep running, and we were kind of laughing about it and as we were passing all Saints once again, Ben fell a second time right in the midst of us, reflecting on this. He fell, but this time it was so much worse. I mean both knees were just gashed deeply. But worst of all was he tried to catch himself with his hands, and he hit the pavement and kind of skidded with the palms of his hands down. And I don't want to be gory or gross, but it was horrific. It was such a mess. And just looking at his hands were so awful. I mean, it looked like he had the stigmata. And we were just close enough home where we could kind of walk and jog the rest of the way, but but he had to kind of grip his hands and hold them tightly. A week later, I saw him again, and he had come for a run wearing biker's gloves, you know, those kind of gloves with the fingertips cut off. And he said he'd had to wear those all week as he was recovering, as he was letting his hands heal. And all of a sudden, you know, you hurt the palms of your hands, you you tear the palms of your hands open, and and you realize how precious our hands are to us. All of a sudden, you realize... um, that our hands are just so vital to, to moving through time and space. Of course we know our, our hands are what make us unique as humans. That We have this opposable thumb that can make tools and use them. But you think every moment of Ben's day is now redefined as he wakes up in the morning to brush his teeth, to comb his hair, to put on clothes, to, to fixing food, driving a car, um, going through a daily routine you're using your hands constantly to interact with your child, to interact with your spouse, to prepare things. Even, you know, even if he is working um, on his computer, let alone if he's trying to do yard work or trying to do some manual labor, uh, everything all of a sudden is affected by your use of your hands. And you think also, in this time of corona, how hyper-aware we are all of a sudden about our hands, That it used to be our primary way of moving through the world and interacting with the world. Touching things, touching people, right? That we'd see people, we'd give each other high fives and fist bumps. We'd shake hands as a sign of affection and friendship. And now, all of a sudden, that's the one thing we're forbidden from doing. All of a sudden, we can't reach out. All of a sudden, we can't go to the grocery store and just pick up fresh fruit and examine it. All of a sudden, we can't just go to the, to the store and, and touch different items to see if they, how they feel. All of a sudden, we're hyper-aware of our hands and how, limi- how limiting that is for us and how restricting that is. Hands play an important role in, in Scripture as well. Hands are a symbol a symbol of something maybe greater than ourselves. Our mouths can tell lies, even our faces can deceive, but our hands can't. Our hands are our primary way of interacting. And so there's no wonder why through scriptures, through the Psalms and through the prophets, and even through the Gospels, we see this image of hands. To sit at the right hand of God, to be at the right hand of the King, is the place of power, of honor. It's the place where you are raised up in, in your highest most being. But like a, the mother hen that protects her, her chicks behind her, right? It says, so God gathers us up in his hands. And God, in this image of God's hands is a, a symbol of his protection, of his wrapping himself around us, of his love that encompass, uh, encompasses us like, like a mother's hands. And it's also hands that betray It's by the hands of Judas, right? He's going to grasp Jesus and give him a kiss on on a cheek and turn him over into the hands of the authorities. It's when they pierce the very hands of Jesus on the hardwood of the cross. So I think of this scripture, our first reading today, the story of Stephen. Stephen was someone who has dedicated his life to following Christ through the work of his hands. The scripture tells us that Stephen wasn't a priest and he wasn't a bishop. That means he wasn't out there creating new churches and he wasn't out preaching every Sunday and gathering community. He was doing the work of a deacon. He was living his life by his example and how he could use his hands to create society by setting the table, by preparing food, by serving with his hands the widows and the orphans, the poorest of the poor in those Christian communities. But Stephen finds himself, called before, uh, in this incredible opportunity, finds himself with this opportunity to to preach and to tell his story, to share how God is moving in his life. And he uses that opportunity to tell how God has been moving since the beginning of time. This is God of all creation. This is God of the Hebrews. This is God of the Exodus and the exile. This is God who came, made himself human, and lived with us, and led us by his hand. It's this is the God who made himself uh flesh to walk on the water and grab the hand of Peter as he was sinking into the water. This is the God who would stand in the in the mouth of the tomb, with, raise his hand and call out Lazarus, come out. He witnessed to Christ. In such a powerful and profound speech, but at the same time this, these words were so hard and harsh on their hearts that they, they grabbed him with their hands and says they dr- drug him out of the building and began to stone him and You imagine what that's like to stone someone to death. You imagine how brutal and how visceral the, the mob must have been so angry at this deacon Stephen, this gentleman who'd given his life to serving. And they took rocks in their hands and began to club him. They began to beat him until he died. And as he's looking up in those last few minutes, those last few seconds, he calls out and I see, I see into heaven. I see Christ himself seated at the right hand of the father. He says, even at that moment when he is in his greatest suffering, even at that moment of his greatest crisis, he looks up and he says, and I see God, and I see Jesus, and I see the power he he holds at the right hand of God. And then he gives us this allusion back to Jesus dying on the cross, and he calls out, Father, forgive these men, for they know not what they do. Just as Jesus calls out, and with Jesus' last words, the next words he calls out will be, and into your hands, Father. I commit my spirit. And into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit. What a profound thing for Stephen to say at that moment of his death, of his dying. What a profound thing for Jesus to call out from the cross. Jesus knowing kind of the end of the story and knowing maybe even perhaps that this is the beginning of a story and yet to call it into your hands, Father, at this moment of the darkest hour of the day, maybe the darkest hour of life as we know it, into your hands, father. When my wife was pregnant with our daughter, Naomi, our is our first child, we were so excited. We read all the books that you're supposed to read, and we watched movies and we went to classes, and we became, you know, super obnoxious to all of our friends and family. It was, you know, all consuming for us. And then of course Naomi was born and what great celebration. You know, we wanted to set off fireworks across Birmingham. We wanted to dance in the streets. It was just overwhelming joy to bring her home. It's confusing as well and scary and you know, I was shocked that the nurses would entrust me with this little infant. As a matter of fact, I was kind of horrified. As when we were in the hospital, it seemed okay. And then the nurse said, "Okay, you know, today's the day you have to pack up and go home. You have to leave." I thought, "Well, what am I supposed to do with this baby, right? What am I supposed to do? Like, I've never had a baby before. And the nurse took me aside and said, it's okay. You know, babies are resilient. You can't break a baby. But 10 days after she was born, she developed uh, something wrong. We weren't sure what it is, but she wouldn't eat. She, She couldn't sleep. She wouldn't stop crying. She had a fever and it lasted for 10 hours, 12 hours, through the night, just crying and crying and crying, and nothing we could do to make it okay. So we rushed her to Children's Hospital. We rushed her to the emergency room. We had talked to a doctor on the phone. said, go right away. And we took her in, and I was so scared, and I was so upset. And I thought, you know, that nurse was wrong. She said I couldn't break the baby, but we did. Here's this life that we've been dreaming of, this life that is so precious, that's so rich, that's so much more important than my own life. And here we are in this emergency room and we don't know what's wrong. And I couldn't bear it. They needed to take uh, a sample of her spinal fluid. And you know, she's 10 days old. She was six pounds. She was just nothing. She was just this little tiny vulnerable child that you could hold in one hand. And I was so upset. And the idea of, of her being Injected and and taken out. I just couldn't bear it. I was, you know, filled with so much anxiety and fear that I was afraid I would do something like pass out that might cause trouble for the doctor. So the doctor asked me to leave the room because I just wasn't strong enough. I just couldn't bear it. But my wife could. But Naomi's mama could. And her mama, what what Katie did was she took Naomi in her hands and held her so tightly, she crossed her little arms, and she held her with both hands so tight and so firm that for the first time in almost a day, Naomi just stopped crying. For that one brief moment, she felt completely held and safe, knowing that her mother's arms, her mother's hands, were holding her so tight, and it was just enough time for the doctor to slide that precise needle into the spine of her back to take the fluid they needed in a safe way, in a perfect way, so that we could move towards the right uh, solution and the right um, medicine to, to bring healing and restoration to Naomi's body. And how incredible that must have been for Naomi to be held so firmly by these hands that loved her more than anything else in the world. But how strong Katie must have been How strong must those mamas be to be so terrified and so scared and yet able to hold on with all their power, with all their might? I know this is a scary time and a hard time and a frustrating time for so many of us in so many ways. It's scary for people who have family and friends in the hospital or friends and family who've died scary for people who are sick, people who are sick with COVID, people who are sick with other things, not wanting to go to the hospitals. Terrifying. I know it's hard for doctors and nurses who are just filled with anxiety every day, not knowing what to expect and and trying their best to prevent themselves from getting sick or worse, infecting someone else, maybe someone they love. The fear and anxiety every day of working in this hyper stressful situation, it's scary and hard for people who are suffering because they've lost work and lost, and lost their ability to provide financially for their family, to pay rent and mortgage, to put food on the table, how scary and how hard that must be. How hard it is to suffer from loneliness, the depression from loneliness, to be cut off from our neighbors, to be cut off from the ones we love. And yet, even at this time, And yet even at this moment, those great big hands of God's reach out and hold us tight. Those hands of love, that even in these moments of greatest suffering, maybe these are the moments when we can feel those hands most tightly wrapped around us. And friends, I hope that you feel God's hands of love wrapped around you. I hope you're experiencing grace that can go beyond words and a peace that goes beyond understanding. I hope you feel the very presence of God wrapping you up so tightly and hugging you with a love that's so much greater than your mama could have ever given. That those hands of love have bound you up so tightly you can't help but feel God is with you and know that God is here at this very moment, surrounding you, above you and below you, before you and all around you, holding you so tightly that those hands cannot and will not ever let you go. May you, like Stephen, feel those hands holding you up, and may that be a blessing to you this morning. Amen.
3: The Apostles' Creed I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord.
2: live in safety. Lord, keep this nation under your care and guide us in the way of justice and truth. Let your way be known upon the earth, your saving health among all nations. Let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and sustain us with your Holy Spirit. Almighty God, whom truly to know Whose son, our Savior Jesus Christ, triumphed over the power of death and prepared for us our place in the new Jerusalem, grant that we, who have this day given thanks for his resurrection, may praise you in the city of which he is the light and where he lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Keep watch, dear Lord, with those who work or watch or weep this night. And give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick, Lord Christ. Give rest to the weary. Bless the dying. Soothe the suffering. Pity the afflicted. Shield the joyous. And all for your love's sake.
0: Amen. And let us say the general thanksgiving together. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, Alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia.